The Loose Cannons Podcast is a free-form discussion about film that contains mature language, such as poop and titty, and descriptions of mature situations, such as filing taxes and raising children. We do not have any concern for spoilers, so if you haven't seen the film or films we are discussing and don't want to have the twists ruined for you, please watch the film before listening to the podcast. If you really said in your own country what you really think, you wouldn't be alive there. You don't think so, but I believe that children are manufactured into good state beings in the communist nations. In other words, real creative individuality is the crime. Nobody smiles in Russia unless they suddenly laugh, but people go around very serious. And they have a dream of what's going to be, but they don't notice that they don't have enough food for themselves. Or the food is mostly grown in little gardens like this one, you know? Can you tell us something about yeah. the American dream? Oh, the American dream is dead. Hey, everyone. It's another Loose Cannons podcast coming at you. Today we kick off... Uh, another theme month this one's called unseen european criterion collection films this is basil's theme say hello basil oh, uh, oh, oh no he's not here <laughs> that oh, no. silence he hears is, is no basil <laughs> it's just three of us today it's me ruben joined by patrick and Ilya. hello perhaps this will be like musician month Last year, when Patrick only made like one yeah. of the podcast theme that he suggested. That's right. <laughs> no, I think you made two. I think you were on yours and Chapitulas. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. on Chapitulas. Um, but today we're going to be discussing 1971's WR, Mysteries of the Organism, directed by Dusan Makaveyev. But before we do that, let's do this. This little segment we like to call Heralds and Announcements. <laughs> Very good. It's a long announcement noise. <laughs> right. Patrick? Um, I am considering uh, re-heralding a movie that I heralded on a podcast that we didn't get to release. <laughs> That's what I was going to do. Uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to reherald uh, Brian De Palma's Blowout uh, because I I heralded it on the Blue Collar podcast and that podcast is never coming out now. So, uh, I'll reherald it. It's a great movie. Uh, unprecedented. Yeah. Yes, Brian De Palma has a real sick sense of humor and uh, I think it's a sick sense in a in a good way because he understands what is actually gross uh about i guess sort of the film industry in general and exploitation in the film industry and the way that he portrays exploitation in this um is sort of meta in in its own way where it's just like hey here are these here's this like sort of gross scene about this guy stalking this woman but you have to think about the fact that we filmed this whole scene and added sound effects to it and like did all these made all these like gross noises while this person is dying and it's like oh yeah like why is the scene in the movie because it's there to make you think about the way that we exploited this actress to, to just have her murdered by this person for your enjoyment and uh 
you know, someone at the end of the film ends up becoming a disembodied scream uh, for for the pleasure of an audience watching a cheap horror movie. So um, it's just really, really searing in its uh, sort of examination of exploitation. Um, and I kind of like that. I, I like how he, you know, uses the whole backdrop of Philadelphia and the celebration of the Liberty Bell and there's a whole scene where somebody's being strangled in front of a giant American flag. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty awesome. Sounds awesome. I haven't watched that movie in a long time, but sounds pretty good. Um, I have nothing to herald or announce, so let's skip me. I can't wait to start watching movies again, though. <laughs> like, not of my life is mm. sort of sorted out here. Uh, thank you, Ilya. Um, yeah, I'm going to do the same thing that Patrick did. I was going to say that it was an unprecedented decision, but I was beaten to the precedent by about a minute. <laughs> um, and I'm going to herald uh, the movie True Stories, directed by David Byrne, which is also very funny and very gross. Um, <coughs> the scene that I keep highlighting, um, although there are many, many good scenes in the movie, is uh, David Byrne is in this small texas town for this uh, uh celebration of their like centennial or bicentennial of the town's creation or something and he befriends uh john goodman's character who just wants to you know find a nice woman to marry and they're like walking around a mall and david byrne just arbitrarily points at a group of people and it's like there's some women over there and <laughs> Um, there's two, two very distinct groups of women, a bunch of older white women and a group of, uh, more like 20 something black women. And, uh, John Goodman pointedly says, oh, they're a little too old for me, <laughs> completely ignoring one of the groups of women in a very distressing pointed moment, um, <laughs> about his overt racism when it comes to his looking for love and I guess maybe slight ageism they were kind of old uh, <laughs> but yeah this is a very funny uh, dark look at America that uh, manages to uh, punk American Beauty 20 years before or 15 years before American Beauty was even released um, by showing these shots of like these empty cookie cutter suburban homes uh, and then having like a plastic bag is like floating in front of one of them and he's like this kind of trashy to me but who am I to say it could be beautiful to somebody else <laughs> <laughs> it could be beautiful to Wes Bentley 20 years later <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's a very idiosyncratically made film that is very funny and uh, David Byrne's performance is actually, in my opinion, really exceptional. I mean, it's, uh, you know, not the type of acting probably that normally gets commended, but he manages to hit the exact right mark of feeling like he's kind of in a home movie and just being like, hey, uh, let me tell you about the history of Texas. Okay, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. Um... All right, what's what's next? We get this cube building shape, 
and uh, it really wins the movie like a distressing authenticity or something. I'm not exactly sure how to describe it, but it's a pretty cool movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I'll say sort of the same thing I said on the Blue Collar podcast that I I love the uh, versatility of the Talking Heads as a music group because they managed to take some of their songs and transpose them into very different styles within this movie and it works really well a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of country western a uh, little bit of mariachi uh, very very texas i guess uh based music styles that they transpose their normally pretty quirky funk based music into mm-hmm. uh, so that was pretty good yeah, I like their quirky funk-based music too, quite a bit. Um, all right, so then I'll talk about uh, the plot to WR. Uh, let's hope that this podcast doesn't get lost, so you guys don't have to repeat this the th- for a third time someday. Um, well, basically, all of our listeners have heard it at this point. So. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so, uh, WR Mysteries of the Organism, uh, it starts out as like kind of looking at, um, particularly the end of the life of, uh, Wilhelm Reich and sort of what he was working on and Reich, who was, um, I guess he was in a, a physician at, uh, Sigmund Freud's clinic in Vienna in the 1920s. Um, and then mm-hmm. sort of. Uh, started to deviate from Freud and, uh, you know, started on a, like uh, a different path, kind of combining like his communist background with like a really radical, esoteric, sexual uh, uh, education sort of, sort of like uh, <laughs> line of thinking, um, which really broke with what he was doing before. But since that was neither liked by the communist party or uh the germans at the time he had to, he uh fled to the us and then um fittingly enough uh there he was also prosecuted um and put in jail and died there uh tragically um and so Machiavelli kind of starts out like the movie starts out as a kind of like documentary type stuff like interviewing the members of his family and people who lived in a city uh, where he was uh, during the last years of his life. Um, and then it sort of shifts towards a more like freewheeling kind of uh, narrative where with two focal points, one in uh, in Belgrade, telling the story of this uh, woman who is a kind of Reichian communist i suppose um espousing like uh, sexual liberation views uh in belgrade to people and also uh kind of cutting back to new york there's a character uh with a gun uh, running around town and also uh i think he's interviewing jackie curtis who is a member of andy warhol's uh group and uh she kind of talks about her experiences and for sexual experiences and basically living life as a trans person uh, in that time. Um, yeah, that's like kind of the different strands of where the movie goes. Um, what do you think about it, Ruben? 
Um, I didn't like this movie. Uh, Sweet Movie was one of my favorite movies a long time ago when I first watched it uh, because of its, I guess, transgressive nature. And I still like Makayev's filmmaking a fair amount. I like the way that he frames and composes shots and his editing has a real uh, natural rhythm. Like, I was almost never bored during this film, but it felt empty in a way that I was afraid if I watched Sweet Movie, rewatched Sweet Movie, that I might feel. Uh, and that's sort of what I came away with it feeling is like, uh, I don't know if there's that much going on here, I guess. Patrick? Yeah, um, I also didn't like this movie. Um, and I think specifically, like, I didn't like the documentary elements of it almost at all. Uh, especially the guy running around New York with, the, like, the fake gun and the weird costume on. I was like, this feels like it does not belong in this movie at all. Um, but I don't know. There's, It seems to be very confused in what exactly it's trying to say about, <clears throat> I don't know, like, sex and communism and fascism sometimes and it just seems to sort of be making this kind of like broad counterculture statement sometimes that i'm not really on board with i'm just kind of like okay well this must have seemed like really out there to people who saw it back in the day but i see it now and i'm just like yeah <laughs> it looks like a like the uh i don't know the stereotype of what you would see in is sort of like the i don't know counterculture of the 60s and 70s of the I don't know like hippies or whatever um but yeah <laughs> the ending is real weird and not in a way that I'm on board with I'm just kind of like uh okay I guess <laughs> this is my the sum total of my thoughts <laughs> about how it ends yep so I don't know, Ilya. <laughs> how about you? Um, I'd say I uh, I, um, I like this movie, but I don't have like a huge dog in this fight. Like I I I liked some things about it. Like I liked uh, some of the songs in it uh, quite a bit, uh, especially Okujava, who's like a pretty famous Soviet uh, singer songwriter guy. It's his song that like the main like the Vladimir Ilyich character sings at the end of the movie. I like that song. I uh, like some of Makaveyev's style quite a bit. Um, I think it's uh, very playful and sort of uh, could have speaks to probably what in the end sort of coalesced much better maybe in Sweet Movie um, that he's like not afraid to like really mess with. Uh, the audience a little bit and uh, but unfortunately I I mean I, I, I think that you guys are right in, in that it's I guess this is more of a, like a juvenile kind of uh, way of dealing with very complex subjects he's like uh, communism sex fascism boom and it's like okay uh, kind of left feeling a little bit empty after all of it um, but I think that uh, from like a meta-historical perspective, it's, 
it's interesting to see a movie coming out of 19 early 1970s Yugoslavia that seems to be way more unhinged than a lot of filmmaking was in uh, Western countries. <laughs> like it's just really nuts <laughs> in a lot of ways. That is like not something you'd suspect uh, or like maybe like the typical liberal uh, view would be, oh, this stuff was not happening in like the Eastern Bloc or like behind the Iron Curtain. And of course, this movie got banned, sort of, kind of like underlining that point. But it does speak to a culture, particularly youth culture in those countries that was pretty out there and um, very, uh, very much radical in a lot of its thinking and um, definitely at least as interesting to sort of explore as, I don't know, let's say like the the French New Wave or like the early, the late 60s, early 70s American filmmaking and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think to the point of the, you know, the youth culture being out there, like, um, I don't know, it feels a little bit like a matter of degrees, but it does seem to have been blunted by time a little bit because I look at this now and I'm like... Yeah, like, they they just seemed like they wanted to have sex. Um, and I don't know, like, in retrospect, a lot of the, like, free love stuff that was happening in the 60s and 70s was really more of a, like, you know, I don't know, it, it was still, like, extremely patriarchal in the way that it was applied, even if the message was, like, everybody should have sex and be free. But I just look at this and I still see, like, a pretty big imbalance of power between men and women in the way that stuff is portrayed and that kind uh, of I mean I think that that thread exists in this film there's a scene that they go back to a number of times of these two people having sex and at one point the woman is like trying to crawl away mm, from the man yeah. and he keeps crawling and following her around the room and pulling him back towards her and of course the violence at the end also like it implicates uh how men really treat sex i think some so i don't i don't know like i it's hard for me to dis like i only took like 12 notes on this movie it's a little hard for me to discuss exactly what doesn't Mm. work about it because i do think some things are sound and like I thought it was like a pretty funny movie, so I feel like Makayev is not totally unaware that he's taking a bit of an adolescent approach to these subject matters. Right. Like there's some intentional goofy jokes, uh, but I don't know. I guess I mean the shorthand version of it would be I'm not an adolescent anymore, and therefore it doesn't do much for me even if he's aware of like the silliness of it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think uh, a lot of this movie works in theory much better than it works actually in execution. Um, and like, it's, it's totally a movie that you could like take certain maybe scenes or even images from and it would seem like a much cooler movie like that uh, image of... Um, uh, I don't remember her name anymore, but like the girl from 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 Belgrade, uh, who keeps talking about sex but never having any, which is kind of like a weird 
uh, joke, I guess, uh, that he's also making here. Um, uh, she's like has this like frame uh, held up next to her face and there's like this rabbit sitting on the chair next to her and she's like posing for the camera and saying death to male fascism like yeah that's totally like something mm -hmm. that would be like in a meme or something or uh would be like an image torn out of this movie you'd be like oh what is this fucking movie about uh i bet it's cool and yet like <laughs> it doesn't it's not ever as cool as it really should be um so yeah there's a there's a few yeah, times i, I kind of thought I think that that both this and sweet movie could like easily be heralded as being like vanguard films even if i don't like this one and i don't know how i would feel about sweet movie if i rewatched it like the blending of documentary and uh fiction elements even if uh exploitative as Patrick points out, uh, was still fairly revolutionary at the time and did lay the groundwork for a bunch of artists who I think are really great in a way who you may not expect. Like, uh, Abashki Rostami has to have watched this stuff, I think, even if his films tonally are entirely different. Like, in a way, structurally, they're not mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> that different. I guess an, um, another filmmaker that I was kind of thinking about while watching this was Lena Wertmuller, like uh, also like yeah. sort of being very much exploring similar themes, um, but probably in a way more cogently. I haven't watched a lot of her movies, but like I'd say that certain uh, of her movies in particular, maybe like Swept Away sort of deal with like the ideas of like, communism versus uh other like modes of uh uh society and while also putting like having a much clearer view of what gender means in the in those situations and power structures and things like that being just being more aware of it and just expressing herself much more much better maybe also more uh pointedly um than mccabeev ever does like he kind of around issues like he sort of points in a lot of different directions but it ends up being a bit more muddied than like the than what what she was going for um but i i'd say like for example yeah i mean i've only one. seen two of her films mm. uh, uh yeah and uh, obviously uh, she directs completely fiction films yep. but certainly as a director like just as a director of actors i think she's better that there's some incoherence in this film yeah uh, which was something that i found intriguing in sweet movie and i don't know whether or not this tunnel inconsistencies would still yeah. work for me but that in this movie there's some like uh there's that one narrator who seems like i don't know more and more frustrated with the film over the course <laughs> of it like the last time he shows up he's just yelling <laughs> about how much he hates something um and like it's just it's a very strange performance and then there's another narrator who sounds you know like something from national geographic uh, yeah or something similar to that who's very just like straightforward and monotone and then the fictional the more fictional element at one part feels like a regular movie but then it starts to become absurd in its own ways such as when the 
jealous lower class worker just busts through the wall when they're maybe about to have sex and yells at them to stop. <laughs> and he's like, it is I, socialist worker Mario, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I just uh, can't seem to reconcile I mean, the pieces of this film into... I think that a lot of that stems from this just being, I think maybe frustrated was just the lack of sex being in movies. Um, like, it's just, if if you're into communism, maybe as an idea, but then at the same time, basically, you're not allowed to discuss sex or uh, it ever. And having sex is like, just just do it, but don't never fucking, I don't want to talk, I don't want to know about it it can be frustrating because <laughs> like and that's i think like um missing from it is missing from a lot of the discussion of like um what was like cool about the soviet union the, the lack of sex in a lot of things was definitely not very cool like a lot of people were yeah. very frustrated about that and i think that makaveev in its own in his own way is kind of rail, railing against that and sometimes being very obvious about that also like this guy breaking through the wall just because he wants to fuck so hard sure. uh is definitely like <laughs> oh this is like a typical socialist character who's also really really horny and like you haven't had that generally <laughs> yeah i think i definitely think it's a funny metaphor comparison like the idea that the way like if you suppress political freedom that people will react in the same way as when you suppress their sexual drives. Mm. Like they'll just get super horny for political freedom. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll go like way off the, you know, way off the uh, status quo, I guess, if, if you uh, just keep them from having that sort of yeah. pleasure. So that's, yeah, I mean, I think that's funny. <laughs> yeah. And I think the fact that uh, that Reich's whole story that I sort of alluded to in the plot description was like this guy, I mean, for whatever, however weird his methods were, he was clearly doing something that nobody liked, <laughs> like neither the communists, yeah. nor the Nazis, nor the Americans, and actually not just not liked, but actively prosecuted him for it until he died. So that's like, does show you that there's like, a, you, an inherent radicalism in what he was doing. Now, like whether what he was doing was, from my point of view, super cool, I don't know. <laughs> a lot of the things seem, seems like kind of taking advantage of uh, vulnerable people who are like, uh, you know, kind of manipulated into doing weird stuff by male doctors. Um, so maybe not that cool, right? Yeah. But. Um, um, yeah, but there's it, something about that whole story that is just, you know, I think that that's where the movie's really getting at. It's just like this thing that kind of transcends all ideologies that kind of bothers everybody is when people are really frank about sex all the time. Yeah, it, and it it feels weird to me to say this, but I do think he actually succeeds in making one cogent point, which is that... Um, in both fields basically like in the study of sex and also in politics like it's very hard to 
I don't know how to put it exactly, but like pull apart somebody's desire to actually like study the thing and push society forward and their own um i don't know preoccupations i, I hesitate to say perversions but like you know it, mm. it's hard desire yeah yeah it's hard to it's hard to tell like do they want to gain power because they want power or do they want to gain power in order to you know push society forward mm-hmm. And the same thing with sex like do they want to study sex because sex needs to be studied or do they want to study sex because they're you know they have this preoccupation with a certain like fetish that they just want to act out through the study of sex and so that i think is actually a cogent point that the film manages to put out there mm-hmm. yeah uh, I tried to read up just a little bit about this uh, person because I didn't know him that well going into the film. So, you know, I mean, I just read essentially the Wikipedia page on Wilhelm Reich. So take that <laughs> with uh, a grain of salt. But it definitely seems to me as if he followed a fairly stereotypical arc which is that he made some progress like uh, looking at some of the early uh, techniques and stuff that he encouraged Um, in a way we have a lot of the beginnings of just sort of breathing exercises in cognitive behavioral therapy stuff that most people agree is good like the idea that you know the body and the mind are not two separate Mm. things and that you can do uh, habits, you can create habits in your body that will create habits in your mind that will help you uh, be more stable, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, but that that like easily tipped over into like a fairly typical white privilege related desire for like immortality and infinite (laughs) and like he had meaning you know he was like basically time cubing out by the end of his life where he was like there are orgones in the atmosphere and they connect all of us and it's a sexual energy and that's what people call god but it's really orgones and if you get into my accumulator (laughs) i can cure cancer and it's like hmm what happened there yeah <laughs> to the point when you were just like hey maybe you should like take deep breaths and it's like ooh, that's a good idea now take deep breaths while you're nude and it's like hmm, i don't mm. know about that now take breaths while you're nude and i massage <laughs> you and it's like now you're really getting into problematic territory wilhelm yeah. reich so i don't know this he's a strange figure to want to focus yeah. on I'd say so. There's like a a, a part in the beginning of the movie where they show this thing that he's been working on, this box that he created, and it's basically (laughs) when the guy's accumulator. When the guy's describing that box, is just like, well, there's organic material on the outside, which is wood, and then there's non-organic material on the inside, which is metal, and it's basically a wooden box with metal inside, and that's what it is. (laughs) That's all it is. And uh, but then like, well, the FBI basically killed this guy for it. So there must be something about it. (laughs) Like, okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) But it's got all the like uh, hallmarks of like a 
Yeah, I mean, that part where they say the FBI was so horny, he kept watching him all the time because he was like a sexy bad guy. <laughs> an, an awful, gross, sexy bad guy. Um, that says a lot about the FBI, sexy of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's got all the hallmarks of like a cult leader going like, completely apeshit and um people kind of buying into his weird stuff um and uh yeah you know there's a lot of that for sure yeah it, it also brings up that whole idea of like oh this was banned so it must must work or whatever like that whole i guess sort of like conspiracy yeah. theorist trope like yeah. reverse conspiracy mm -hmm. yeah where it's, where it's <laughs> like oh this the government doesn't want you to see this so it must be something that works or whatever it's yeah like, that's not necessarily the case they just hated you know people who <laughs> deviated from the sexual norm in any way yeah more likely <laughs> his uh interactions with einstein are very funny to me because like einstein came to see like his work and they met and they had like whatever seemed like a nice meeting for five hours but then uh he didn't uh einstein didn't contact him so he kept writing him more and more letters and then finally after like months einstein was like leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> and then Leave me alone, you strange man. <laughs> and then he tried to publish something mentioning Einstein's name, and he was like, "It." Einstein had to like get lawyers involved, and was like, "Do not attach my name Jesus. <laughs> to anything that, that you publish." And then he tried to publish. It. He wrote a dissent letter, but nobody would publish it <laughs> about Einstein and how he was like. There was a conspiracy that people were forcing him to not work on his orgone accumulators yeah, yeah. this is uh, this but, reminds me of the story of uh, Hans Christian Andersen who apparently once <laughs> came to stay over at Charles Dickens's house and then turned out to be <laughs> the worst house guest ever was just like supremely annoying never left anyone alone made a lot of noise and was just super super bad to everybody and wouldn't leave <laughs> like he just wouldn't leave and charles dickens wife had to throw him out and then charles dickens had to write him like a letter saying that he's not invited back ever <laughs> <laughs> and hans christian anderson always described like charles dickens as one of his best friends <laughs> like, that's really really funny um <laughs> uh, that reminds me now we're really yeah. off the off the ranch, I guess. Um, this story that I saw on Twitter, of course, from Our Relationships. That's my now my new favorite Our Relationship story of all time, which is uh, basically uh, this woman, she's married. Her husband tells her that a college friend that he hasn't seen in a fair amount of time is going to come and visit. And um, he says, uh, you know, just like as a warning, like he's a little bit talkative. So like brace yourself for that. And then he gets there and he's more talkative than anyone she's ever met. Like he talks over her, he doesn't listen to her, he dominates the conversation, same thing, follows them around the house talking at them no matter what they're doing. And uh, one night they're out to dinner and, you know, she's explained to her husband how annoying it is and he's like, you, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak up. And uh, so he uh, finally says something to the guy and he's like, look, what you're doing is being really rude 
my wife is talking, please let her finish what she was going to say before you attempt to respond. And he apologizes. He's like, oh, I know that I can talk uh, a lot or something like that. You know, he's like, but uh, uh, I don't mean any offense by it, blah, 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 or whatever. So she finishes what she's saying, and then he does not respond to what she said, just keeps keeps talking about whatever he was talking about previously. So at this point, she's had enough, and there, food is served, and she takes his steak <laughs> off his plate <laughs> and starts eating his steak. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, um, what are you doing? And then she just uh, like, what, stop, stop eating my steak. And she just eats and eats and eats the steak <laughs> until she's done eating the steak. And they're just staring at her like flabbergasted. And she goes, oh, I'm sorry. I can just be very hungry sometimes. And like, I don't mean to be rude to you, <laughs> but basically just said his words back to him, except for about eating his whole steak. And he was like silent the rest of the night and was super offended That's by awesome. it. That's awesome. But... <laughs> It's pretty great. Pretty great moment. That's very cool. And then, the sadly, the our relationships part of it was like, she was like, I know I need to apologize to him, but, you know, what exactly should I do in this situation? I was like, you do not need to apologize to him. <laughs> Tell him to go away. You should eat all of his food until he leaves. That's <laughs> 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 uh... Oh man, that reminded me of a meme that I saw the other day. It was one of those like four, like the the whole brain memes or whatever. Yeah, the, like universe brain. <laughs> hmm. <coughs> um. Anyways, uh, I don't know if I really have that much more to say about this yep. movie. Me neither. Yeah, for for as much as gets covered in this movie, it, it doesn't seem um, like there's a lot to discuss about it. It's I mean, kind of like eh. there's a lot of Stalin in this movie, as in not actual Stalin, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. like movie Stalin, yeah, the actor playing Stalin. Yeah, yeah. who uh, reminded was... me of a last Bolshevik. Yeah, in, in that area where they talked about the actor who played Stalin being more recognizable than Stalin himself. Well, it's true. <laughs> That's probably very true. Um, that actor is very handsome, and Stalin was not very handsome. At least not, not at that age. He, when he was younger, he was quite a looker. But <laughs> later on, he had a really bad old man. Old man Stalin wasn't he had really bad, like facial, uh, like acne and stuff like that. So uh, he made sure to always be played by very pretty Georgian men. <laughs> Very strapping Georgian man. Strapping, yes, indeed. Yes. Uh, but he, in this movie, I guess he's used kind of like as a sexual whatever. I don't know. Like uh, there's a part where the the uh, Melina or whatever I think is her name, she uh, like mm -hmm. is exalt like exalting like uh, her like is like really getting into uh, a speech that she was doing, and like it's they they keep showing Stalin's face all the time, and it's like she's basically talking about orgasming, and then it's Stalin. Uh, over there and yeah. I mean again like the point <laughs> is like there there's like an ecstasy of like very excited political thought when it came to like communist ideology for example or the way it was expressed it always culminated in this like adulation of a great leader 
and yeah in a way it's like there's a reminiscence to the way you would be like enthralled by your lover or something like that like in a similar like ecstatic way um but again <laughs> it just kind of hangs there at that point <laughs> not to make it a, a bad sexual metaphor myself but it just kind of hangs there it doesn't really go anywhere doesn't come doesn't doesn't the point never comes <laughs> yeah and they they, uh, they do kind of they bring that back a little bit later where they um where the guy hits her um after when she's trying to like grab his crotch or whatever and he hits her yeah. and then she looks up and it's like stalin's face yeah that too yeah. Like, i wonder what he's yeah it, it's kind of a weird point to make but he's like you know this i guess sort of his old-fashioned ideals about love are a sort of fascism in and of themselves um which i kind of get on board with a little bit uh <laughs> his his uh i guess like uh not frustration necessarily but his just like reticence to do anything sexual at all yeah is a is a kind of fascism and they the they, you know. I think he's clearly making also a point with the difference between Lenin and Stalin. Like Lenin got enshrined as this like uh, basically this romantic god, like not as in romantic as in sexual, but just like, oh, Lenin never did anything bad. He was like such an idealized version of what like communism should be. And since this guy's name is Vladimir Ilyich, which is Lenin's first and like yeah. surname, yeah, right? Yeah. He's clearly like a <laughs> surrogate for him. Yeah. He's clearly like a surrogate for him, but then like he can't help but like be Stalin in the sense of like be like in a way like much more of a brutal and cold and whatever like lifeless version of uh, uh, the of that ideal basically the same way sort of like like Stalin was later seen as someone who like took a more idealized version. Of, of of communism although that part certainly also isn't really true because Lenin certainly did his own bad share of bad shit but um um that he would just like came in like was kind of like hid behind Lenin but in the end was like a much worse version of it and a much more brutal and like uh deadly version of him um and I suppose what Bakaviev's point is like well uh if he only went the other way and became like a sexy Lenin <laughs> why what things would have been great like he, he only like saw like sex as part of uh what uh, as part of the communist idea then uh perhaps uh, a lot of bad shit would not have happened <laughs> so which okay yeah. fair enough <laughs> i mean yeah it, it does yeah. kind of uh bring out the point that like sexual repression can be in its own way a, a type of you know just like a fascist ideology within somebody's brain like it can it can contaminate them in the same way that because um they they talk about it a little bit when she shows that picture that she has of all the women like crowded around hitler and i was like oh okay yeah i kind of see what they're saying like that repression breeds basically like this desire to have like absolute control or something like that and it you know i guess in a way is like 
oh, this is how people, you know, become fascists or, you know, become killers or whatever, is they just, like, have all this repression that they have to let out somehow, um, which I... I I think we've managed to... Sorry, I thought you were done. Oh, you no, finished? Go, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I think we've somehow managed to, like, uh, a little bit accidentally circle around to, like, why this film doesn't work for me, is that that is, I think, it best sort of step one. Because mm. if you take just that, like, ideology of, like, I have this internal horny impulse that needs to be satisfied... And if it's not satisfied, I'll become a horrible person. You actually end up essentially with like gross male incel ideology, which is like the real fascism is me not getting to fuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah um, I, I see a little and, bit of that in that, you know, character that busts through the wall. Like a little bit of that seems to be happening <laughs> with that character to me. Like, I don't know, like proto incel or whatever. And there's... I. I feel like the film needs like a part two that's about like the opposite end like uh about people who are so horny all the time that they can't accomplish anything and i think that this is something that another movie for all of its uh, own problems does really well is shivers is that it sort of presents these uh horny extremes as both being like pretty bad like it's a movie that starts off like very cold and capitalist and controlled and then this huge sexual revolution happens but it intentionally grosses us out and involves like a lot of really awful assault imagery and it's like oh i don't i don't like this either mm. so yep. i don't know i think that there's something missing there a button on these points mm. yep I think that's probably a good way to end it actually alright thanks for listening to the podcast everybody I hope you are enjoying them if so please subscribe using your podcast listening application and give us a 5 star rating and review on iTunes uh, you can also find all of our content on loosecannons.net and if you are enjoying our work and want to give us money or if you would like to buy something from us uh, we will do work on commission at our patreon patreon.com forward slash loosecannons same way as it is spelled both on the website and for the podcast you're currently listening to uh, coming up next in unseen European Criterion Month. This unseen by us, by the way, not unseen by everybody in the world, obviously. <laughs> uh, is the organizer. So yeah, if you want to go ahead and watch the, the watch Patrick's movie, The Organizer, um, before we discuss it, that's what you need to watch, The Organizer. Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.